0: In this is the Red Rock Sports Podcast discussing all things Colorado sports each and every week. You can follow us on Twitter at Red Rock Sports One. I am Jared All alongside me, as always, Connor Holskamp. Hello, hello, and Ryan Smith. What's up, fellas? On today's show, we discuss playoffs Denver Nuggets, Colorado Avalanche, both teams about to jump into the playoffs later this month. We'll talk about where. Both teams stand as we come up to the end of the season. But first, Denver Broncos made a total of 10 selections in this past weekend's 2021 NFL Draft. Highlighted, of course, by their first-round pick, number nine overall, Patrick Sertan. Connor, what's your first thoughts on the Broncos selecting (laughs) Patrick Sertan, number nine overall? You know,
1: I don't hate... Patrick Sertan. This is nothing against Patrick Sertan. I'm glad Sertan. you did clarify that, because uh, it's gonna uh, come uh, up. Everything say you that. say the rest um, of this time is gonna come up. you know, that. as I said last time, I I think it's an it's a wasted pick. I, I said that last show, I think it's a wasted pick. Um I it's not that I don't like Patrick Sertan. I think he's gonna be a, a good NFL player, has the potential to be a great NFL player. My problem is where is the ceiling? Where's the upside with that pick? I see the upside on on hitting on a quarterback. You, I mean, it's Super Bowl. the The Super Bowl is the upside. Uh, Patrick Sertan could end up a Hall of Famer, and, and what does that get? Where does that get you? Is is he
0: going to win you a Super Bowl? We've talked about this at length before, and I, I think that, that we <laughs> value certain positions differently. Obviously, we both put a lot of emphasis on the quarterback Connor, but. I I, I can't disagree with you there that a cornerback is not bringing you Super Bowls. Okay, A cornerback could be a very influential part. I think that it it is very valuable to have a leader like that, a guy I I think, like you just alluded to, Patrick Tertan, I believe, is going to be a great player. He was actually one of my favorite players in this draft. On the surface, just looking at him as a pick, I think it's a great pick. The value, the situation that the Broncos were in I can't justify making that pick at that moment. Yeah, I mean, I know you and
1: I, Jared, both were really on the Justin Fields horse. <laughs> we were, well, we were and, and,
0: and just to touch on that, Connor, last week, we, we all three gave our picks, and come around to, to pick nine. Ryan and I both had Micah Parsons going to the Broncos at nine. You had Justin Fields. And and here we come up to pick number nine, and both guys are on the board. Oh, and I, I thought for sure it was going to be one of them. And I actually was so confident in my mind that it was going to be Justin Fields. I mean, it fell in your lap. And, and and to to not even to pass up on that, but then to take a, a player that is honestly... He either is not on the starting lineup, which I do think I, a lot of people have come out right away and said they think he's a, a a third or fourth corner on this team. I think he's right in day one, your second corner uh, b- b- behind uh, uh, Jesus. I'm just slipping on his name. The, the guy they brought in from uh, Kyle, Fuller, Fuller, Fuller. Fuller. Kyle Fuller. I think Kyle Fuller is your number one. And, and then I think Sertan's your number two. But now that's putting somebody that you're, well, where do you put Darby then on the bench? And now it, that's a $10 million uh, yeah. man sitting on the bench. So, I'm not going to get too caught up in the dollars. I think people get way too bent out of shape over how these billionaires spend their money. What do I care? You're under the cap. Who do I care who you're paying that money to so long as the best product is on the field? And I think when you look at the the value and the situation that they're at, it's not just about passing up on a quarterback. It's the value you had at nine, not having to move. You did not have to give up. You look at what the 49ers gave up to get the third overall pick. They exchanged first-round picks. They gave up two additional first-round picks plus a third-round pick. The Bears, who selected Justin Fields, two picks after the Broncos at 11, traded their, I think it was the 20th pick overall, along with their 2022 first-round selection plus a fourth-rounder and a fifth-rounder. You're giving up a ton of capital, typically, to get there. So, you know, next year, the Broncos may be in a situation to do that and, and now you're going to have to give it so much more. It fell in your lap. It was right there for you to take. You didn't have to mortgage your future to get it. I, I just don't understand how you can pass up on a guy yeah, like that. Yeah,
1: you know, um, I, I know that we're on the same page a little bit with here. Uh, but this is truly going to define uh, George Payton's draft and honestly career as a gm to to some degree i mean justin fields if he turns out to be a pro bowl caliber quarterback a franchise quarterback he will forever be linked inexplicably with with this draft pick and you know, it's interesting. It's interesting for a first-time uh, GM like that to to step in. And, and, and I mean, it's a risky move for, just from that standpoint, right? I mean, for his legacy, for his uh, future hiring prospects, it's it's a big risk because if he hits and you didn't take that franchise quarterback, it, it's going to be, you know, that, that's going to be follow him for the rest of his career.
0: See, and I actually disagree with you there because I think if he makes the pick of Justin Fields... Then, then his career goes as with the Broncos yeah, at least goes as Justin Fields go. I think by not making the pick, it gives him that like he still gets a chance. He will get a chance at some point in the next three years to take his guy. And then if that guy fails, sure.
2: Yeah, I think the the fact that they didn't take Justin Fields just goes to show you that the writing's on the wall for Vic Fangio. Um, he's not going to take a quarterback. And hire a new head coach. I think Fangio's done, and he didn't want to make that pick. I think it says more about Fangio than it does about Fields.
0: I actually had. That was my very first thought. When when that pick comes through, my thought is like, is is he, you know, there's an old saying that give him enough rope to pull themselves up or to hang themselves. Is he giving Fangio and Locke enough rope to hang themselves? I think, uh, I think if
1: Fangio was pounding the table for Justin Fields, I think he would have got Justin Fields. I think this, to me... I I see your point, Ryan, and that makes a lot of sense to me. I do think that if you're not gonna have Vic Fangio next year, it makes a lot of sense to bring in a new guy and have him get his quarterback, right? But at the same time, this reeks like a Vic Fangio pick. I, it I mean really does, I, yeah. I mean, you know, none of us are privy to the to the draft room. We're not we're not back there in the war room figuring we we don't know these discussions, so to a certain degree we are speculating. But to me, this is a Vic Fangio pick. It absolutely seems like the the type of corner that Fangio loves in his system. It's a, a tough uh, man-to-man defender who also is great at playing zone. Um, and so to me, this this pick seems like it came in part from Fangio. Um, and I, I would be hard-pressed. I would be surprised if he didn't play a role in bringing him in.
2: Yeah, and it just makes it seem to me like... It's like we talk about Patrick Sertan as like a day one starter possibly. It just it it just reeks to me of like what? Why wouldn't you take the quarterback when you know you can get other corners like next year? Especially because you have Fuller, Callahan, Darby. Like you can get another corner and, next and, year and, that, that the, you can bring into a day one starter. Even though if you don't sign any one of those and playing guys.
0: devil's advocate to that both Callahan and Kyle Fuller are free agents at the end of the year so you you may have a desperate need for well, number one corner next year. but again, I think you drafted Ojemudie last year with the idea that he could develop into that type of guy. And yeah, he's I think a big there's loser plenty, of this draft. <laughs> I think there's, yeah, you're absolutely right there. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's plenty of talent there. There's a lot of depth at that position that you can draft in the second or third round, or, or even again, like Ryan and I talked about a bit last week, trading back. If you're going to make a move like that.
1: No, let me ask you this, uh, uh to Ryan and you, Jaron, where do you place cornerback in terms of most important positions in football? Uh, to me, I I place the cornerback at the fourth most a uh, uh, shutdown corner. Your number one corner is the fourth most important position on your team. What say you, peanut gallery?
0: Oh, that's a uh, putting me on the spot here, right? I you know.
2: I'd probably agree with you. I'd go. I'd go. Uh, probably tackle. Or I'm sorry, quarterback, oh, tackle, edge Thank rusher. You. <laughs> and, and then corner. Yeah. I,
0: I think the consensus top three there. I, I can't. I don't think you can really argue that. If you, I think those are the th- three positions where tackle maybe doesn't get the notoriety at least publicly and in the media, but that is so crucial to have an anchor on the line there. But the edge rusher, we've seen that in recent Super Bowls. We saw that last year with Shaq Barrett. We saw it a few years ago with Von Miller. Y- yeah, you could argue, and Connor and I trust me, fans. We will argue over the years and over the weeks uh, on, on just how much value you put to everyone else other than the quarterback but I think an edge rusher can absolutely wreck a game. He can impact a game. He can win you a game an edge
2: rusher. I would corner, put number two. I don't
0: know that a corner. I, I don't think that you can.
2: I think say you, a, I, I think you can have winning a game. I don't think you can have one good one without the other.
0: That's a good point because you could just go away from that corner. Well, all game uh, one.
2: well, well, not only that, but you can double team the edge rusher. So but but if they're if the corners not well, and there's such a guarding symbi- them. There's a
1: symbiotic relationship, of course, between the, yeah. the front seven and, and then the, your you know, defensive backs. You got to obviously cover well enough to give enough time to get to the quarterback and vice versa. You got to you know, get to the quarterback in order for him to try and rush a throw. So I get that. I, I, symbi- I'd honestly but tell argue- me, Jared, when is the last time a cornerback – won you a Super Bowl, not just won you the game, but got you to the Super Dion Bowl. Deion Sanders and was Bowl. pretty
0: stinking important on a couple of the Super Bowl winning teams in the 90s. That's mm. about the last one I can throw at you that I think truly, truly impacted wins in the playoffs. You think he
2: won the Super I, I, I Bowl mean, for them? Anyone no. could say that. I mean, there was so much <laughs> talent
0: on those teams. I mean, when was the last time but, a
2: quarterback won the Super but, Bowl? He also returned punts, too.
0: And, and he was. He was
2: dynamic in that sense. Great. But
0: Deion Sanders went, and, and I'm, I may be mixing it up, but I believe he went from the 49ers winning a Super Bowl with them. He went to the Cowboys, won a Super Bowl, beating the other along the way. I mean, it, it, to me, I can I could argue that his impact on that team was the difference, was what pushed them over the top, being the Cowboys, over that. And I know there's other players that were involved with it. I'm not going to say Deion Sanders won them those Super Bowls, but I, I think he was probably the last player that – in my mind, impacted the game so much that I could say, yes, he was a major reason why they won that Super Bowl. Even in the Broncos' Super Bowl win, when they had great corners... <laughs> I was quarters, wondering when you were
1: going to bring that up. I,
0: I, I don't think you could truly say those guys were the reason they won. If not for that pass rush, no, I don't think they won in that game. But you know game. what?
1: Even Von Miller, Super Bowl 50 MVP, and, and all due respect to Von Miller, played great that year and that game. He didn't win you. He didn't get two strip you to. and win one you. One of them
0: got you a touchdown. He won that game, uh, I, I
1: didn't say the game. He, I'm saying won you the Super Bowl, which includes all the games before that. Getting you to the Super Bowl. It wasn't Von Miller. He was a huge piece, okay? Don't get me wrong. He's a huge piece. It was a generational was not, defense. Uh, yes, exactly. Yes. So... Uh, Neither here nor there. I, I, we will save this argument for another time. In terms of the importance of the quarterback, because me and Jared could go all day on this. Uh, I do want to ask you though before we move on to any of these other draft picks, which I know we want to get to, um, where in terms of this first round, we're still looking at this first pick. Where does this leave Drew Locke right now? Uh, I mean, you have the addition of Teddy Bridgewater coming in a little bit, uh, you know, a few days before the draft, and then they pass on a quarterback in the first round. Um, and obviously, you know I, know, I know Broncos fans out there have heard the rumors of Aaron Rodgers potentially coming here. I know that that's in the mix. But right now, as it sits on the Denver Broncos, where is Drew Locke in the in the plans for the future?
0: I think the, the pressure got turned way up on Drew Locke uh, over the course of the last week. Uh, of course, since we recorded our last show here, Uh, not only was there a lot of discussion the Broncos drafted quarterback, obviously you referenced Aaron Rodgers, but Teddy Bridgewater was brought in at at very worst to be competition with Drew Locke. So you're not even guaranteed at this point in time with the roster as it's currently constructed to be a starter. You are competing in camp. No, no. Drew Locke was not competing in camp last year. This was his team, and and, he didn't really take him anywhere. So now you're competing in camp. Um, Leading up to the Super Bowl, and I think this is a good time to dive into this, uh, I first heard the rumor, I don't know, maybe a half hour before the first pick was taken. Uh, Mark Schlereth was the first one that I heard uh, break it, and I'm not sure if anyone prior to that had brought it to, to the media, but the rumors of a, of a potential trade between the Denver Broncos and the Green Bay Packers for, for Aaron Rodgers, presumably the number nine overall pick was going to be a part of that. And rumors continued to swirl um, all the way up until really all the way through the night. Uh, I think even after the first round picks were, were, were taken, but now we're sitting here. It's, it's Tuesday. Uh, it's what, four or five days since then. Uh, a lot of that has died off. Some, um I think maybe some of the early assumptions of how close the deal was were not accurate. Uh obviously, cuz we're sitting here on Tuesday and this trade still hasn't happened. Um Connor, what do you think? Is this deal dead? Is that is there any potential? Oh, there's happening? there's
1: plenty of potential, absolutely. Uh you know, I I look at this a couple different ways. First of all, from just an, an odds maker's perspective, uh, as of, you know, today, uh, what is it? It is May 4th. DraftKings had the Broncos as the second most likely team for Aaron Rodgers to throw his next pass on, and that was at plus two hundred. And and of course, Green Bay was number one, and I believe minus one fifty. So it is definitely not dead in the water. Uh, You know, the odds makers seem to have something going for them. They understand a little bit of what's going on. Um, You know, where there's smoke, there's fire. There's a little bit of that going on. One thing is is Mark Schlereth breaking this. He he isn't typically one to just, I mean, he doesn't, he, he's not known for making things up. He has a lot of connections. He has a lot of uh, player connections. Really, with Mark Schlereth, a lot of his connections are player connections.
0: I fully believe Mark Schlereth was given information from a source that he believed to be honest and true. And I believe that person may have even been giving him good information. I actually look at this as Aaron Rodgers and his camp putting those strategic buds in people's ears so that exactly the scenario that happened would transpire. I think this is what he wanted. I I, I, I think he wanted the Packers to feel like their hand was forced and this was the best value that they were going to get. And so I don't think it was by accident that the information was... was presented to a person like a Mark Schlereth or probably several other people as well out in in the d- local sports media that that this was all but a done deal so that then the Packers felt like their hand was forced and they had to make this happen. Well, so what's interesting is you see
1: the reports coming out from Mark Schlereth. Uh, and then almost immediately, you get this whole flood of... I mean, you got Mike Kliss with the Denver Post and you got Ian Rappaport and several other guys coming out almost immediately saying, no, no, no. I am told that there have been no trade talks with the Broncos, so it's always interesting when you when you get this uh, when you get uh, respected reporters who have good connections and conflicting information. It's always interesting when they are at odds with one another. You know, some, you know that there's strings being pulled behind the scenes, just like you said. There, do not be fooled into thinking that that you know pol- politics and pressure from behind the scenes are not playing a role in who's leaking what. But the question is. Who, you know, you know, the question is uh, where are the strings being pulled
0: Well, and, and Connor? There's definitely smoke. There's definitely fire here. This is a bad situation for the Packers and Rogers, but I don't believe that Aaron Rodgers is going anywhere. I think in and I think it's the smart move for the Packers right now to call his bluff. I think you take this as far as you can call this bluff. You don't. The Packers have gone to back-to-back NFC Championship games. Aaron Rodgers was the MVP of the Super Bowl last year. I get that you're high on Jordan Love, but you got to be high if you think Jordan Love is <laughs> is the guy you should turn to right now with Aaron Rodgers on your, your roster. I don't care how many first-round picks you get. You're in a Super Bowl no. window, yeah. and us as Broncos fans, we can appreciate that. We have seen how quickly a Super Bowl window can close up on you I think you have to at least make another run or two with Aaron Rodgers. And so I, I see the Packers holding on to Rodgers at least up into the season to see if they can call his bluff. And if, if week one comes around and he is not ready to play football – then I could see them moving on from because in my mind they're in an advantageous position at any point in time in the next twelve months they will get three first round draft picks for Aaron Rodgers.
2: So what if you lead up to the uh, a, a, the beginning of the season and uh, Aaron Rodgers says he's not showing up? Then now we start talking. Who's making offers? Okay, so so I just want to, but I, just, I don't I,
0: think it's going to happen. I I am calling Aaron Rodgers bluff. I think he shows up. Into I just want to, in and, 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 I, and
2: I think and I actually texted you guys this the the night of the draft is I think the big biggest reason why a trade didn't happen is because before june 2nd um it's a dead cap hit of 37 million dollars if they trade him right now after june 2nd it goes down to 14 and that's a big impact and put put my tinfoil hat on conspiracy theorist over here i think that the packers said you know what we can't take that cap hit but take this guy include him in the trade Give us those draft picks that we want, but, and it's a done deal. But the
0: interesting thing, and, and maybe it ties to what you're saying, Ryan, but the the Packers took a corner in the first round.
2: They uh, need multiple corners. Uh, oh, or it, or maybe
0: it's a swap. Maybe the Broncos also wanted a corner. You, hey, you, we'll take your guy. You take our guy. I mean, that's a, that is a tinfoil hat right there, my friend. Well, I see, and, and,
2: and, and if, if it doesn't include Sertan, I, I think you're – you're gonna have to give up either you're gonna have to give up a young good player like i'm thinking like a bradley chubb and that'll take like a first round pick off maybe um you haven't exercised as have, you, have they exercised this uh, they the actually yet? did officially this weekend yeah so so maybe it's a it's a bradley chubb or um or it, it's got to be at least two or three first rounders you know
0: yeah you know uh if that happens, by the way, I'm I'm loving. Oh yes, all we of are, that. we are uh, if, celebrating Broncos. Re- regardless of what exactly the trade is, especially if the Broncos can pull off a trade at this point and keep Patrick Sertan, all of a sudden that pick looks really, really
1: yeah. good. Yeah, well, but come on, let's, let's not kid ourselves. You cannot be drafting off the theoretical, the hypothetical prospect. I mean, I know you agree with it, me on this, but. Regardless, we get Aaron Rodgers, we don't get Aaron Rodgers. Let's all hope we get Aaron Rodgers. If the Broncos get Aaron Rodgers, they are definitely a threat to Kansas City and the AFC West. He is that good of a player. But let's let's come down from the sky a little bit here, Jared. Okay. I I I still want to look at the way I the way I see it. The Broncos passed on a quarterback in the first round. From Drew Locke's standpoint. He's a winner of this draft. As of right now, he is is in a great position. But with that said, I will say, I look at this Broncos QB room. I think this is Teddy Bridgewater's job to lose. I truly think, and, and, and I will say that with the caveat, that it is better for the Broncos if Drew Locke beats him out. So I am rooting for Drew Locke to beat out Teddy Bridgewater. But I think if it's a relatively close competition... I think this is Teddy Bridgewater week 1 is what we see. This is George Patton's uh, George Payton's guy. He brought him in. He's seen him with when he was with Minnesota. He he likes him. He likes what he sees. He he brought him in. I think he brought him in for more than just to
0: push Drew Locke. I I truly believe that. I I'm sitting here trying to come up with arguments against you. Trying to disagree <laughs> with you, but I, I think the Broncos can win more games with Teddy Bridgewater. I'm not sure it makes him a better team. I think Drew Lock can do more. He's more dynamic. Um, and you know, for the record, uh, you know, I will go on record saying I like Drew Lock. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he can even be an above average quarterback. I never think he'll be elite. But you put a really good team around Drew Lock. I think it, he can be a you know. A, a Jimmy G, uh, you know, a, a Tony Romo type, you know, that kind of like really good. He's very talented. I think he could do more. I think Teddy Bridgewater is so limited in what he could do as a quarterback, but he's not going to lose you games. And so it comes down to, and the reason I, in my head, cannot argue with you that, that it maybe Bridgewater's job loses because of who the head coach is. I think Vic Fangio values a guy more that's not going to lose you a game than one that could go out and win you a game but well, might lose it along the way. And I think uh, you know, obviously, Vic Fangio is coaching for his his job, and this that year. too, uh, you win more uh, games. He, he you're wants more, to win like more games. To win and, and
1: I think with um, you know, I think the Broncos coaches are are going to let me put it this way: one of the biggest issues with Drew Locke last year, and granted, this could improve. But one of the biggest issues is that he was not getting through his progressions. Yeah, Drew Locke was, was getting through one, maybe even two reads, and then he was taking off running. That was his, his tendency. He was not getting through his reads. And, you know, I mean, hey, we saw someone like Paxton Lynch do that. And the decision was made accurately and very quickly that he is not going to be able to do it, right? Maybe Drew Locke can get there. But if you're Vic Fangio... You're, you know, you're uh, Pat Shermer, and you're looking for a quarterback that can actually. I mean, hey, this is a reflection on you as a coaching staff. And, and at the end of the day, just like you said, you're going to want a, a quarterback who ultimately can can open the playbook for you, can give you more of your job. I mean, your job as a, as an offensive coordinator is to d- design plays, to 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 throw plays out there that are going to take advantage of the defensive schemes. And if you don't have a quarterback that's able to even do that, I see him going with Teddy Bridgewater. But, you know, we'll, I, guess we'll, I guess we'll see. We,
0: we shall and, see. And obviously, we'll, we, we first need to figure out what's going to happen with this Aaron Rodgers situation. Un- until anything changes, he's a Green Bay Packer, and and this is the competition going into the summer. And the Broncos wasted a first-round pick until that changes. Well, Connor, speaking of value, I think we can all agree that the value in the pick of Patrick Sertan was not great. Uh, I I have to say the same thing for their their second round draft pick. They took uh, running back Javante Williams. They actually traded up a few spots to get Javante Williams out of North Carolina. I will say the exact same thing about him. I will about Sertan. I think he's a great player. I think he's going to be a dynamic player. I think he's going to be really good. But we've also seen proven time and time again in the NFL, you don't need to draft a running back early. The value isn't there. There were some really good linebackers on the board, some D linemen on the board, a spot that the Broncos didn't address at all in this draft that I, that I thought would have really been good. Uh, some offensive tackles left on the board that I, I think were ranked very highly. That uh, Oh, by the way... Uh, uh, hindsight. Uh, yeah. Hindsight now, alert. Now you got uh, Juwan James goes down. Was it... An, uh, Achilles, Achilles, did I see? Yeah, yeah um, it was Achilles today working out outside, away from the facility, and boom, there you go, your right tackle's out. And and as we're sitting here prepping for the show, the three of us could barely come up with a name of the guy that's going to fill his shoes. I, I just think there was better value. Um, I'm not going to hate on the pick because I do think that Javante Williams is going to be a really, really good player. I think he could be a star in this league. I just don't know that I love it in the second round there.
1: I I really like it. I'm going to I'm going to take the I I like it. I I see what you're saying. I'm I'm a little bit torn. I totally understand and I've made this point before that running backs in the NFL, what, they have a few years. Of, I mean, even the really really good running backs, you can expect what, 3-4 years. I mean, that is pushing it too. That is a successful running back career, right? And, you know, as as the Broncos have proven over the last you know, three decades. You you can just put, with the right scheme, with the right line in front of you, you can plug and play just about anybody, and and you're going to have a a uh, functional right, if not perfect, but functional running back room. Um, so I get you, but this guy is exciting. I look at this pick of Javante Williams, and I am excited to see him. I know. I have a little bit of a Jerry Jones in me where I want some <laughs> I want some star power. I want some offensive fireworks. I heard you know.
0: that uh, Patrick Chretan was Jerry Jones' boy. Was I heard it? that's who was he it? wanted.
1: Uh, so th- this guy, Javante Williams, uh, was actually recruited out of high school as a linebacker. Uh, he, he played middle linebacker in, in, in high school and, and schools were kind of passing up on him. So he, his coach switched him to the running back position and that's when he got some serious looks because I mean, look, this guy is, is explosive. This guy is, is powerful. I mean, I think we've all seen everyone out there has seen the, the highlight run of, uh, uh that he had against Miami, uh, <laughs> it, it, where he is just dropping his shoulder and just leveling safeties. Right. I mean, This is a good pick for me. I I mean, I like this pick. I think he's an all-around running back. He's going to push Melvin Gordon in ways that you know, quite frankly, Philip Lindsay could never do. Um, He blocks. He he is he's a good pass blocker. He is a, a he can catch balls out of the backfield. And you know, by all accounts, he's a really high character guy too. So I like the pick. I'm gonna. But but in hindsight, right with the Juwan James injury. I would have been all right with an offensive tackle being being taken with that pick. I will I will say that I, uh, I just
0: look at guys like uh Trey Sermon, a, a Chuba Hubbard that went in the later rounds. I think those were both day 3 guys that I just don't see a whole lot of difference. I, I do think Javante Williams is very good. I just don't know that he's bringing another level that those guys aren't already.
2: Yeah, the only problem that I had with the Javante Williams pick, and, and again, like you said, Connor, um, the, the, the the tape is unreal, um, is that Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa was still there. And I think the glaring need for a middle linebacker was much more evident than... A running back. Well, once.
1: I I really like the the fourth pick that the Broncos took. Uh,
0: yeah, Barrett Brown, uh, Baron Brown, Baron excuse Browning. Me. Yep. Oh, a linebacker out of Ohio State. Yep. He's kind of a, a mixed guy. I mean, he's a, a he's a hybrid. Player. He's
2: bigger than he looks. Well, and that's why I'm not too upset about the Javante Williams pick because I do really like Baron Browning too. Especially, I didn't really know much about him but after watching some, some film on him it, yeah. uh, he he looks really good. Yeah, Watching
0: good. his highlight reel it, it's good to see the athleticism that I think the Broncos have been lacking at their linebacker position. And again the size I believe he's like 6'2", 6'3", 240 pounds I mean yeah. that's big for an off-ball linebacker so uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how they utilize him early on if he's a guy that gets on the field right away. I, I think you may see more of a, a special teams, uh, maybe situational linebacker, maybe he's coming in as more of a coverage linebacker, being that uh, the the existing guys on the Broncos lot roster. Are well, not what I
2: what I noticed watching some some of his highlights and, so, and some of the tape on him is they um, Ohio State used him inside and outside, right. so he can a, a lot like uh, I always struggle with his name Owusu Koromoa. You give it more of an effort than I do. I'm just like, yeah, 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 moving on. So well, the, 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 what, they, the, they call him
0: JOK. That's, that's what I've been. Okay. JOK. To. Let's J-O-K. refer for him
2: there as that then. Um, but is that they use him, they used him a lot, not only in the middle, but they'd bring him off the edge too, which I really like.
1: Yeah. He, uh, he's, he's an exciting pick to me. He, he kind of reminds me of a, a bigger, more athletic Danny Trevathan. And, you know, I think he could fit really well into this system. So, to your i mean to to what you were trying to say I, I i'm i'm okay with them not going with linebacker at two because they went and got this guy i think he's a steal i mean i think a, a lot of the draft analysts had browning you know going as a, as a late second round or you know a day 2 type player and you know, to get him with our fourth pick uh, what, what, what was the overall pick on that uh,
0: pick number 105 yeah. so the the Broncos actually did make a trade uh, in the third round moving back um, and ended up getting basically two compensatory picks so it was like very end of the draft the the third round they took uh, Barrett Browning was the one at 105 just before that they took Quinn I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna minors, minors. minors. i was like i'm looking at ryan because ryan's like my no, he always that, helps me with that it. is my favorite pick of this okay, draft just the all right p- not even i don't even need the video of him in the woods okay okay i just that love a the big video part. of him at the senior bowl <laughs> with that gut hanging out and he is just driving fools into the ground love to see it uh he's an animal um they list him as a center I think he played a little bit of center, a little bit of guard in college. Um, Interesting to me, they did make the pick of Lloyd Cushionberry last year at center, but I think it's always smart to draft centers because centers can always move over to guard, and it gives you some versatility then on your offensive line. Now you're not stuck going with Cushionberry as your center.
1: Yeah, and you know, uh, it's you know, uh, you can never have too much depth at at certain positions, and the offensive line is one of those. I do think it's good to keep in mind that the Broncos have two players coming up. Uh, one would be Glasgow, uh, who they're going to have to make a decision on after this season. There, there is an opt out to that contract after this. season. And
0: he did not play well last year. Uh, there were some injury issues along yeah. the way. So, but- so
1: we'll have. I mean, we'll have to see, and, and the Broncos are going to have to take a look at that. But there is a potential that he is no longer on the team next year. And then you look at a guy like Dalton Reisner, who. I think, you know, the fans like him. He's from Colorado, and, and that's all great. And, you know, we're all pulling for him. Um, but at the end of the day, too, Dalton Reisner only has one more year before you have to make a decision on him as well. So I think the addition of minors allows you to cut ties with one of those veterans if you need to. Um, it's a great pick. I- although. You know, a D3 player, you do not You do not see a D3 athlete getting picked that high in the draft all that often. Actually, getting picked in the draft at all all yeah, that often. Yeah, I'd actually
0: is, love to know the number of that would be, uh, D3 that, picks, right? And you but, give us a look up on that. The D3 guys taken maybe even the last 10 years or so. Not a ton of them, but... Um, but um, I see a the theme, though. I see a theme with George
1: Payton's first draft, all right? I wanted to, I wanted to say this. Okay, so, okay. Uh, you know, I, I think... John Elway, when he had some really bad drafts in a row, I think he kind of he 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 kind of switched his ideology at some point, right? And and instead of he went th- his early drafts just going for these pure athletes, right? That was that kind of was a theme that was emerging. He just wanted speed. I mean, speed was a huge part of John Elway's first few drafts, and it just didn't work out. And, right? and he
0: liked them Arm tall strength liked quarterbacks. Them tall. Yeah, he liked them
1: tall. <laughs> uh, and, and so then John Elway went and kind of switched his. Mentality, if you will, to where he was picking team captains. He was picking these high character guys, these captains, these leaders. Right? He wanted to build the culture, and I think it was the right move. Excuse me, but at at the time, Um, but I am seeing a trend emerge with George Payton's first draft, and that is physicality, bullies, hard nosed football players and that intrigues me. I mean, you go look, you know, almost every single pick and and these guys are are strong bully they they are they are gonna beat you i mean to use the uh what was it the detroit coach that said we're gonna bite your kneecap but they're
0: gonna get down we're gonna bite your other kneecap <laughs> so, he, <laughs> detroit's coach he drafted a couple of kneecap biters in this train, yeah yeah so but no you you're, you are right i think quinn uh Miners absolutely fits that. i think javante williams the way he runs the ball is very physical very tough um you, you i think you're on something there connor
2: so, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it works. Yeah, so uh, going back, let's see, this is to 2007. There are nine, including minors, that was this year um, only nine players from Division three that were ever drafted, the highest being in 2015, Ali Marpet, the uh, tackle for the Buccaneers. Uh, he was taken in the second round. And
0: I believe he was on that Super Bowl roster
2: last yep. year, if I'm he not sure mistaken. Was. Mm-hmm. And then, probably the most, uh, uh, the, the biggest name that uh, I see here is Pierre Garcon. He was okay. taken in the sixth round. By the
0: Colts. Interesting. So some some, some good picks there for the Broncos. One other guy I want to just bring uh, some light to that I think was a really, really good pick from the Broncos in the fifth round, so late in the draft, number 152, Caden Stearns, safety out of Texas. This is a guy that his freshman year started – For a very talented Texas team, and anybody who follows college football knows Texas is loaded with talent. They may not be getting the best out of that talent, which is why they keep cycling through head coaches, but Caden Stearns was a a starter at safety as a freshman. He was Big 12 Defensive Freshman of the Year. He was first team All-Big 12 as a freshman, and then his sophomore and junior year kind of got quiet. And I think there was, um, you know, some you know lingering injury issues. I think there was uh, some some questioning of of some effort at times uh, when it comes to Caden Sturge. But the talent is there. I think this is a guy that could very easily have gone first or second round had he continued H- the trajectory, trajectory of what he was doing as a freshman. Um, so I think the Broncos got a steal here. I don't ah, think see, he's going to be it was a surprising starter. Pick. I don't think he's a starter this year one. But I actually would say a, a good player comparison for him is Kareem Jackson. I think he is very similar in style to what Kareem Jackson does, and I think he is a perfect fit to slide in behind him. And I would not be surprised at all if Caden Stearns is your starting strong safety in twenty twenty two.
1: I wouldn't be surprised. I also wouldn't be surprised if he flat out doesn't make the team in twenty twenty two. You know what? That's, so, he's kind of guys,
0: one of those guys, a uh, uh,
2: uh, high-risk, high-reward. See, and, and my, my player comparison is Will Parks, Okay, to be honest with yeah. you. I mean, not, not necessarily a high-profile name, but the effort, the body size, like the highest – name that I would drop for him would be Earl Thomas. He's more of a, um, kind of a, a, a head hunter, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm sure we will all take a Earl Thomas. We would be all excited if he turns out to be an Earl Thomas, hey, but hey, Earl Thomas out of Texas. Um, the, you know, you- I think it was a surprising pick. I, I think most of the mock drafts that I saw had him going, you know, had had Caden Stearns going later, much later. And I think the Broncos really reached for him. So, um, it's an interesting pick. It's more interesting that we went and backed it up right back to back with yet another safety. You know what um, though,
0: I've heard a lot of people say that and and uh, could you name a name on the Broncos depth chart at safety behind their starters? They got nobody. They need a depth at safety. I think that was very smart. I think they did a good job late in this draft of attacking positions where you need a lot of depth. These are good special teams guys. These are guys that may not see the field on defense, but are going to have an impact on your team. It's
1: a point. I mean, at the end of the day, too, by all accounts, you know, if these scouts are to be believed and all these, these head honchos that do nothing but pour over draft every single day of their lives... If they are to be believed, then this is a relatively thin uh, draft class. Whereas you know it's really top heavy. The first couple rounds has some really solid pieces, and and after that you're kind of shooting darts to a certain extent. So I mean, if you're shooting darts. You know, it, it,
2: it's not the worst idea in the world to
1: try and get your safety. I yeah, mean. in a
0: fifth round, I'll take a flyer on a guy that has second-round talent.
2: Yeah, and to be honest with you, I'm pretty sure Jamar Johnson uh, out of Indiana was taken after Caden Sturms. He was, he was. And and just looking at uh, his highlights, his, his tape... Um, just as a pure safety, I like Jamar Johnson a lot more. He's but Caden, much more of a ball hawking. Well, well, Caden Stearns seems like he's more the type that's going to come up and hit you in the mouth at the mm-hmm. line of scrimmage. Jamar Johnson seems kind of more overall. More of like well, the Justin Simmons, right? Type. Exactly. Not yeah. saying he's Justin Simmons, but right. more,
1: more of the type where he's long. He has he has athleticism. He's a real. He kind of has a knack for
2: for ball hawking, if you will. Right. Um, and Stearns just seems like he's going to take more chances than Johnson will.
1: So, you know, it'll be interesting to see, man. I, I you know, uh, talk about – I'm just looking at my notes here. One one thing I wanted to mention was uh, when you're talking about winners and losers on this draft, was there any Bronco player who is a bigger loser of this draft than than uh, Freeman? Uh,
0: uh, Royce Freeman? Yes. No, he's not making this roster. Yeah, I mean, was there was not, there any not, not just players? the draft, but then the, the signing of Mike Boone, which I I mean, should he have a, made the
2: roster in the last couple of years. Probably yeah. not. You in know.
0: hindsight, uh, I don't I don't know that he really had much impact either the last two years. But no, he the
1: Raiders are probably taking. They like taking our I backup be running backs I surprised making him into pretty good running backs. Apparently, I wouldn't so. be
0: surprised if he's cut in the coming weeks here uh, before like we even get into. OTAs, off-season workouts, anything like that. I oh, be yeah. Spice no, spice no, spice. no.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's even a uh, so Vic Fangio in his presser after the draft um, was asked about the running back rotation this year and his exact quote was hopefully this year with our three backs Boone being one of them. We'll get a nice flow. In no uncertain terms, he essentially put the writing on the wall. He just unofficially cut Royce
0: Freeman. Royce, Uh, pack your bags, buddy. So you know know, it's been good, but
1: you know that that was uh, one of my takeaways from this draft. I think Royce Freeman was the biggest loser in in the entire Broncos. Uh, Another another running back
0: drafted pretty high, by the way. It was, didn't, yeah, didn't yeah. pan out so yeah. much for that one. But until we find our quarterback,
1: Jared, I'm telling you, hey, Oh, he hey. was there. One of these, one of these years, you, I, I get it, okay. You, you want to pass on it, right? You, you think we have different options? You, you want to get a new head coach next year, maybe potentially. You want to leave that door open. You want to have him bring in his guy.
0: One of these years, we, the Broncos, have to stop pushing it off. <laughs> they, well, and, they, and not they, to they not, not to rehash just, this whole discussion, you know? but this isn't the first time since the Broncos won their last Super Bowl even that they've passed up on a great group of quarterbacks. You you flip the page back to 2018. The Broncos are sitting at pick number five. They draft Bradley Chubb. Chubb I think we Chubb, can all Chubb. agree. Very good player. How many wins has he brought the Broncos in his time here? Very few, okay? And, and the guys that were left on the board, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and yes, Josh Rosen is one of those. So I'm not saying they were all hits there after him, but those three guys are sitting on the board for you. I think you take a stab at any one of those three guys. Well, you have
1: two-thirds chance. I mean, just simple. Uh, I don't you know, think Check my math on this, right? I don't there's think there's three guys I, and, and but, two of them hit. But
0: honestly, I'd argue even if you get Josh Rosen you're not in the same position that you are right now because you made that decision by now that Josh Rosen isn't the guy and you're probably taking a first-round quarterback this year.
2: Can I ask so, you guys a question real quick? Was the last most successful quarterback that we that the Broncos have drafted after John Elway was Tim Tebow? Jake Jay Cutler,
0: maybe? I know he didn't have much success with the Broncos. Oh, it's got to be Jay Cutler. It's got to be Jay.
1: Absolutely. You cannot put Tim Tebow as well, a more no, successful. I, I, I just, how many playoff, playoff games? Well, did, uh, let me look up Jay winning Cutler percentage. Were, okay. You know what? At least with the Broncos, <laughs> zero. The Jay, Cutler had, Jay Cutler had diabetes, all right? you Cut, cut him some slack. He, <laughs>
0: <laughs> he, he looks like there's a few more things going on there than, than just diabetes. You man. know
1: what? Uh, McDaniels broke Jay Cutler. I will, I will go to my grave uh, on that. McDaniels broke a lot
0: of people. I <laughs> will go to my grave believing that Josh McDaniels was an informant for Bill Belichick sent mm. here to ruin yeah, the feels. Denver Broncos, bring back intel on how to ruin them for the next 10 years, and... Was quite successful in doing so.
1: Yes, tell me more about this flat Earth of theory of yours, Jared. <laughs> tell me more.
0: Well, okay. You want to hear more? Because oh, no. he, no, no. <laughs> he was please not the no. only. He was not the only disciple of Bill Belichick <laughs> <laughs> that went to an AFC team, I will and then, then that you. team. <laughs> uh, Eric Mangini. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. All There's right. a lot of bad coaches that have gone to AFC teams for Belichick. I'm telling you, he knows what he's doing. Okay, before we move off of football here, before we move off of the NFL Draft. Ryan is going to put Connor and I on the spot here. Oh, no. Uh, we're going to run through Connor. Uh, and, You're going to you know run I'm through turn, me. I'm, yeah, I'm going to run right that through you. and I know it could both happen, okay? okay? You keep talking about your quarterbacks. We oh, you might God. just have to.
2: Uh, Connor, or uh, Ryan, I'm going to turn it over to you.
0: We're going to play a little game of uh, fortune telling.
2: Yeah, so fortune teller here. I got uh, picks that were... Um, very close to each other or at the at the same position so uh first one i want to bring to you so we're going to do for a better rookie season right now so you have uh either the first one i have is jamar chase that went to the Bengals, or kyle pitts that went to the falcons i am going to say jamar
0: chase Um, I think the Bengals are a surprise team in 2021, and I think that offense is going to be dynamic. With him and Burrow, they were great. Is at Burrow going to even play at the beginning of the season? Do we? Uh, do we it doesn't matter. By week six, he'll be in. And <laughs> it doesn't be matter.
2: There, there Jared is
1: again with the quarterback doesn't matter.
0: Well, the <laughs> Bengals aren't going to gonna win a Super Bowl. I didn't right. say they're going to win a Super Bowl. they will be a surprise
2: God. team. What we have to do is finally get this quarterback right. show good, good. out good. of the I'm, way. I'm
1: glad you took if, him. Darn I'm gonna, if the
0: Broncos would have just taken a quarterback, we could have put this all behind us.
1: <laughs> I am so glad you took him because I am going to take Kyle Pitts. Okay. I'm going to take Kyle Pitts. I think... It's a great offense for him. Um th- they really like to use their tight ends. They you know, and traditionally, I mean Yeah. They they know, had, uh, Matt, Ryan, and Matt Ryan Right. Matt Matt Ryan has really involved his tight ends. I think Kyle Pitts is a great fit for them. I am a little surprised that they did not take a quarterback. Uh but I guess, you know, when you're sitting under that behemoth mountain of a contract that nobody wants to touch with a 10-foot pole that's why of you, Matt Ryan. That's
0: why you take a quarterback, though.
1: Yeah. It, because it, it, then you then your quarterback room is still making or, the right amount of money. Or, or you say, hey, we have a guy that's somewhere between the 10th and 20th best quarterback on any given year. Uh, let's try to make him be that 10th best quarterback, right? Let, let's try to get him closer to that top 10. Let's get him some pieces. I think Kyle Pitts has a better rookie year.
2: Put it down, Ryan. We will revisit. I got Pitts on the board. All right. All right. Um, out of our first-round quarterbacks, we got Trey Lance, uh, Mac uh, Mac Jones, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. Did I say Mac Wilson? Yeah, I did. Mac Jones, yes,
1: you did. Um well, I think we're both are probably on board with the Trevor Lawrence train. I mean, right,
0: um, should we take
2: Lawrence out of that?
0: No, 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 no. I, I mean, you can take Lawrence. Lawrence isn't my name for the best rookie season. Oh, best, the best rookie, rookie season. season is yeah, yeah. Best
2: here. rookie season
1: mm-hmm. for these guys. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. turn
0: to you first here, Connor.
1: Well, I'm going to. I mean, I'm still going to take. Trevor well, I'm sorry. La- Zach Wilson is what I meant. I'm still going to take Trevor Lawrence. I'm still going to take Trevor Lawrence. I'm not going to... I mean, this guy's a generational type talent. This is something that does not come around every year. Uh, I'm still taking Trevor Lawrence. Although I do like some other names on that board. I know you and I are both really high on Justin Fields. Uh, but you know what? Now that Justin Fields went to the Bears, I, I, I do not I, I, I do not believe that that is a, a good system for him to succeed first year. Now, granted, I think he could be a really good quarterback and, and time will tell. Uh, I don't think he has the type of talent and he's not polished enough to where he can just go to the Chicago Bears and suddenly have a great rookie season. So I am taking Trevor Lawrence.
0: I am going to kind of take a flyer here, and I'm going to go with Zach Wilson. Okay, wow. I think he's going to do to the Jets what Darnold did to the Jets. I think he's come in, and he's going to flash. Break them. <laughs> I think he's going to look great his oh, rookie sorry. year. Everyone's going to get on board. <laughs> and, and then I think over time, you're going to see that he's just more of a flash-in-the-pan type quarterback. But I think they, they, they brought in some talent. He's got a big arm. I think they're trying to go – Complete, you know, bizarro world that they've been in uh, previously under Adam Gase. I think they're going to really open up this offense for him, and so I like Zach Wilson to have the best rookie season, not the best career, but the best rookie season.
2: All right, quarterbacks. All right. So the uh, next one we have is a battle of the tide: Devonte Smith or Jalen Waddle, who has the best rookie season. And remind me where each of these guys landed. I know Devonta Smith went to the Eagles. And Jalen Waddle went to the uh, Dolphins, I believe. The Dolphins.
0: Okay. That one's an easy one to me. That's Devonta Smith Mm -hmm. with the Eagles. I'm not a believer of Tua. Uh, I think they're looking for a quarterback by the end of the year. And I I think he holds back that offense.
1: I think so, too. And although we are both lefties and we have established this, I am not a believer in the lefty quarterback. (laughs) And besides that point, Steve pulled it off. Steve Young did pull it off, but then I mean that you know there's a first time for everything, Jerry. Oh, not a first time, but there is a there is a couple outliers here or there. But um, you know I, I'm going to agree with you on this one. I, I like the the Eagles' ability to move the ball right now better better than you know. So
0: I think there's more talent around that yeah, offense.
1: Yeah, I, I, like, I like it. So we'll, we'll we'll agree on that one. We
2: will agree to agree. All right. Well, the last yeah. two that I have are actually picks that went um, one before the other. So, first one is Najee Harris uh, went to the Steelers at number 24, or Travis Etienne at uh, 25 for the Jags. Oh, I'm going to go Najee Harris. Yeah, I think to me,
0: this is actually an obvious one. Um, One of my least favorite picks in the first round was was Travis Etienne going to the Jags. Again, not the player. I like Travis Etienne. I think he's going to have a very good career. I I, I think he's a similar to a maybe Alvin Kamara type player. Okay. Um, maybe not quite that dynamic. I just picked like the best running back in the league. But you guys get what I'm saying out there. But the fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Jags, I mean, they, they, they have a good running back in James Robinson that really had a good year last year. And... I just don't see the need there. They have garbage offensive line. Uh, Trevor Lawrence as a rookie. I think I think a lot of things pointing in a direction that I don't think Travis Etienne has a great rookie season.
1: Yeah, I I I agree. Uh, I I think the Steelers um, have really shown that they can run the ball effectively. They've they've utilized multiple running backs to success many times before, and so I um and you know he could very well be their lead back so.
0: Oh, he is. 100% you know, I mean, I mean,
1: he, he could, he could vary, but, but I still think the Steeler. I mean, the Steelers have shown that they, you know, Mike Tomlin likes
2: to use multiple backs. Uh, they have an identity. I mean, that's one of the NFL most, uh, the NFL team that has like the most identity. Oh, yeah, is, for I mean, right? our entire lifetime, exactly. It's, so. it's 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 crazy. Yeah, I think we agree on that
1: one. So we, we will have to agree to agree again. On did that you one. did you
2: guys find it weird how it was such a. Uh, a it, 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 this year, it was like how many players from college teamed up with each other, either for formerly or there. Do you were draft think that's by accident?
0: Well. It seemed to me like it was almost a strategic play because oh, yeah, there's yeah. a lot
2: of QB wide receiver. That's what combos. I'm saying. It was, it was almost like a strategic move by these by these teams, but I, I just thought it was really weird. Um,
0: and I think I I I think that's smart from a GM from a coach to. Bring in a receiver that you know your quarterback's comfortable with. You've seen what the two of them look like on a field together, so you know they can
2: have that rhythm again. Well, and I think that kind of might have influenced the Etienne and the Lawrence picks as
0: well. Oh, you know what? I didn't even. Wow. Wow. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Right over my head. That didn't even hit me that they <laughs> yeah, took I mean, the two clums. I mean, this guys is guys the, the NFL, field.
1: though, Jared. You should. Uh, I mean, the, the, we're talking. Profe- if they cannot be a professional and, and learn to work. I mean, if your That's quarterback true. cannot bring in any talented wide receiver and learn to work with them then that is not going to be a successful relationship anyway so it's interesting i'll give it to you but but this is the nfl this is not little league i mean this isn't college i mean chemistry brings you so far and and in the nfl you better be able to develop a relationship with your wide receivers or you're not going to have a career yeah that's
2: true all right so last one we have is we'll bring it back to denver And uh, we'll have picks eight and nine. So eight was J.C. Horn, the cornerback out of uh, South Carolina that went to the Panthers, or Sertan, the cornerback out of Alabama that went to the Broncos. Go ahead, Connor.
1: I'm going to go Sertan. I mean, hey, my Homer glasses are on. Drinking the orange Kool-Aid a little (laughs) bit. I will acknowledge that. I cannot get around my bias, but... With that said, I do like Patrick Sertan. I know that I said it's a wasted pick, and it is a wasted pick. <laughs> Let us be clear about that. That is my opinion, but we still have him on the team. That's through no fault of his own. I'm still going to support him as a fan, and I think it's a good pick. I think he is a a good, a good down cornerback. Pick. I mean, it, it, as far as wasted picks go, I can <laughs> live as good as you can get. I, okay. I can live with this wasted pick. I think Patrick Sertan is is, and you know what. I like, especially if we're talking rookie seasons here, I really like Vic Fangio's system. I think, I mean, say what you want about Vic Fangio, but I think it's just common. I mean, everybody agrees Vic Fangio is an excellent defensive coach. And so I think he's going to get the best out of him for rookie seasons. I got to go, Sertan.
0: I'm really surprised at the J.C. Horn pick. I, I heard his name a little bit in first-round draft talk, but I don't think I ever really heard him as the number one cornerback off the board. Um, yeah,
2: I didn't either. And actually during the draft coverage, I'm pretty sure he started at uh, uh, Votech as a um, receiver.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, and so the, my thought is, uh, you know, on paper, it kind of makes sense that J.C. Horn is probably their number one corner. You'd think he's probably more likely to have a a, a better season. But I think Patrick Sertan's a starter from day one for the Broncos. Maybe Ah. not as their number one, but as a number two, I think he's going to be on the field a lot. Also, in being a number two corner, you're not going up against the number one guy week in, week out. So I I think this is hands down. Patrick is going to be the best cornerback drafted. Although it
1: will be interesting because... Because of the Broncos' depth at corner, now, now, I differ with you a little bit on this, Jared. I am not so sure that he immediately unseats Darby or or Fuller. I mean, I, the other you know,
0: aspect that makes me but think injury that is injury. they're better in the slot, anyways. Well, uh, but see, I think I,
1: I think uh, Callahan it, 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 he really thrives in the slot. He was honestly before he got hurt last year, he was one of Pro Football Focus's best slot corners in the NFL, and so. You know, I, I like Callahan in the slot. I like Darby and I like Fuller on the outside, and I like Sertan. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does. Uh, you know, what what the Broncos decide to do with it. I do. I, I think. Uh, you know, I was talking with with a friend the other day that made the the point to me. That's a very valid point. You cannot ignore the injury history between really all three of these guys between yeah. Callahan, Darby, and, and well, and not not so much Fuller, but
0: Fuller's but, had a little bit. Of, but I mean, he's, he's had a little been bit in the the, the league for what, four or five years, and he's missed some time.
1: Right, and, and you know, obviously, in the long term prospects, when you have a couple of these guys on one year, you know, I mean, this is the last year for several of them. So long term, I really like it. It will be interesting in the short term just to see how he's
0: utilized if
1: everyone's healthy.
0: Ryan's tinfoil hat idea is not sounding so bad here, but...
2: Thank you very
0: (laughs) much. (laughs) Moving on to uh, something that's a little more concrete. Uh, The NHL playoffs begin a week from today, May 11th, and uh, they're doing things a little differently this year uh, in the NHL playoffs. Uh, Obviously, throughout the course of the season, uh, you... Teams have only been playing teams within their division. Obviously, COVID restrictions have kind of forced that, uh, especially with so many teams residing in Canada. They, they're, they're trying to avoid crossing too much there. Um, so the playoffs are also going to be different this year. 16 teams, like always, will make the playoffs. But what's different is the top three teams in each division, uh, there's four divisions, so the top three teams from each division will make the playoffs. That's 12 teams. The other four teams are made up of the best remaining teams in each conference. So two from the West, two from the East. That gets you to a total of 16 teams. So 12 division teams and then four wild cards. The Avalanche currently sit second placed in the West, two points out of first behind Las Vegas, Uh, If the season were to end today, they'd be facing the Minnesota Wild, which is not a great matchup for the Avalanche. Now, I'm confident in the Avalanche to get through any team that they play in the first round, but but not an ideal matchup. So you'd love to see them get into that one seed, but regardless, I think the expectation, the hopes, the energy around the Colorado Avalanche in Colorado, I, I can't remember this having been any higher since the last time they won a Stanley Cup. So my question to you two gentlemen... Is this season Stanley Cup or bust for the Avalanche? Are we disappointed in anything short of a Stanley Cup victory for the Avalanche?
1: I think you're. I, I think you're disappointed at anything short of a Stanley Cup appearance. Um, I'm not sure about a Stanley Cup victory. I, I mean, the thing about the Avalanche is is they got a lot of guys under contract. I mean, they're a very young team. Uh, you're looking at uh, possibly the start of a really dominant stretch of. Maybe, I think it's one of the youngest. Actually, you know, maybe maybe, oh, maybe four, out. maybe four or five years uh, of of really dominant hockey. So I think the uh, the Avalanche are just entering. I mean, they are really just they are full forced entering their championship window. I don't think it's championship or bust, but I do think it's a disappointment considering how well they've played this year if they don't at least make a Stanley Cup appearance. And that is a really high bar to be set. I mean, you know... It is. I mean, look a few years ago, the Avalanche were one of the worst teams in hockey. Um, so it is it is great that the Avalanche have come this far and that we are even talking in terms of this. But considering how they've played this year, yes, I do think it's a disappointment if you do not at least make the Stanley Cup finals.
2: When I hear... Um Stanley Cup or bust it it makes me think of one thing and that's the trade deadline and it's like are we just on like the border do we need to make moves here otherwise I think as far as any team in the NHL it's Stanley Cup or bust and and that that's just me but it's like when I hear that it's like do we need to add pieces to put us over the edge
0: and I think pointing to the trade deadline tells me exactly that The Avalanche believe right now this is Stanley Cup or bust. I think you are absolutely disappointed if you don't come away with a championship this season. And and sure, am I going to be happy to see the Avalanche make the Stanley Cup finals even if they don't win it? I think it's a successful season. But I think that... You, you cannot ever just assume, oh, we got a four- or five-year year window here. We, we've we seen that too many times. Uh, recently in the NHL, teams like the Blackhawks, the L.A. Kings had very, very dominant rosters that quickly flipped over, and those teams became very bad, very quick. Uh, we've seen it more recently with the Denver Nuggets in terms of injuries. A guy like Jamal Murray goes down, all of a sudden that window changes. You're telling me a guy like Nathan McKinney – early next year has a season-ending injury, you're not chalking that up to a season where we're, where the Avs aren't winning a Stanley Cup. Then you're now one more season gone from that. And then another season, I think when you're on the brink of this, the Nuggets went and made a, or excuse me, the Avalanche made a very aggressive move and, and, and bringing in a backup goaltender who is actually going to probably get significant playing time in the playoffs, keeping Grubauer fresh, I think they are all in on this right now, and I think that's a smart thing to do because if you don't win a championship, you never know when you're going to have that chance to do it again. So th- this
2: is uh, this is according to uh, rosterresource.com, which is a part of the NHL. Um, the uh, the uh, I'm sorry, the Avalanche are the number one ranked youngest team at 27 years old as the average age. There you
1: go. Hey, it's it's a good point, Jared. You never know when you're going to get back there. Um, you know that that is a good point, and and with injuries and everything, and you never know. I mean, it takes so much to win a championship in any sport. It takes some luck. It takes a lot of skill. It takes really everything, just kind of aligning in the right way. Um, I just don't think I don't see this window necessarily closing. You never know when you're going to get back. But it's not the end of the world because you still have years in the future to hope for.
0: We can all certainly agree that the Avalanche are going to be a very, very fun team to watch, regardless well, of expectation. We'll have to get, uh, we'll have to get our
1: Avalanche or our hockey expert here, maybe. Yeah, maybe I, I think so.
0: next week will be a great time to get Tyler Walgie back in. Of course, we need to check in with his schedule. You know, he is a I can't busy, wait for playoff man. hockey, man. Um, it's we're so there. fun. We're there, Ryan. By the time it's we get so to, our, to our show next week, it will have already begun. Uh, by the time you guys are listening to the following week's show, which will be May the 12th, uh, you already have playoff hockey happening. So uh, we're, I think, very excited. I, you know, Honestly, I there's a tinge of disappointment for me just as a Denver fan, as a Colorado sports fan, because it really felt like that we were going to be blessed with two teams at the same time, going on championship runs. And I'm not saying that the Nuggets aren't, but obviously that Jamal Murray injury, man, it just like what could have been. How cool would that have been to be talking all yeah, the way a, into June brutal, about man. basketball and hockey Yeah. Uh, instead of who, of course, we end up being forced to be talking about in June, the Colorado Rockies. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> who we're a little were, we're busy a little bit this last week um they took really no time to name an interim gm which is is no surprise uh there's obviously got to be a guy in there running the show uh and they uh promoted internally bill schmidt uh to be the interim gm and we, we'll hold that role through the end of the year and and uh, i don't know connor is he gonna have any part in bringing in the you know
1: permanent gm uh I don't. I don't think so. No, but but I do. I, I don't think it really means all that much right now. Um, I think this is still the Dick Montfort show for for the time being. Uh, they have said that they are they are going to broaden their search uh, at the end of the season. So we'll see what that means. Uh, hopefully, they bring in somebody very very far away from the dumpster fire of the Rockies to bring in a new set of eyes. I almost used that word just now. It's such a dumpster fire. It is is a dumpster fire. Um, So, you know, I don't think it means a whole lot. It's going to be interesting because uh, the Rockies do have to figure out what's going on with Trevor Story, with John Gray. Um, He'll certainly play some sort of role in that. At this point, the way the Rockies are playing, I don't see any way that the Rockies keep either of those, uh, you know, fine players on on this roster. So we shall see. Um, I do want to bring in uh, some, some Dick's Dollars. There we go. Uh, you know, uh, for for maybe first time listeners out there, we every week we track the amount of money that the Colorado Rockies and Dick Monfort have given to the St. Louis Cardinals to employ the Rockies' best player they have ever had in their organization, Nolan Arenado. So, <clears throat> as of today, Tuesday, May fourth, the Colorado Rockies and Dick Monfort have given the St. Louis Cardinals six million two hundred sixty five thousand four hundred thirty two dollars and nine cents thank you thank you so we will keep that going all throughout the the year just just a constant reminder of how, just how much money we are paying the St. Louis Cardinals to employ the most
0: expensive dumpster fire in the world. <laughs> it is, it is so. <laughs> All right, we had to sneak that one in there, guys. We didn't want to skip right past that, but we're going to jump forward real quickly uh, before we get out. We're dragging a little bit long here today. Just want to uh, you know throw out there: this is a Wooz Media pod- podcast. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar with Wooz Media, go check it out. There's a lot of good shows out there uh, related to sports in any different fashion that you're looking into them. That's woos media again you guys can follow us on twitter we are at red rock sports one last topic guys before we get out of here today the denver nuggets also making a push here for the playoffs they actually did clinch a spot this past week in the playoffs so they're in just a matter of what seed they end up and uh, who they end up playing so real quickly i'm going to run through the standings as they sit today uh, tuesday may 4th utah jazz in first place Phoenix Suns, a half game behind them in second. Denver Nuggets and the LA Clippers are tied four games back of the lead. Then in fifth place, you have the LA Lakers, 10 games back. Dallas Mavericks, a half game behind them. Portland Trailblazers at seven, 11 games back of the first place seed. And then the 8-9-10, which all factors into the playoffs now, uh, the the play-in. You got Golden State at eight. Memphis Grizzlies at nine, San Antonio Antonio Spurs at 10. All your teams kind of competing in. It looks like those are the 10 teams that are going to get in. So, Connor, the Nuggets are pretty well slotted into that third or fourth seed, okay? Um, That could fluctuate. They're obviously three and a half back of the Suns for the second seed, but I don't see that. I, I I don't see them making that push forward. I don't see yeah, them obviously tough. following following seven I think there's games, eight games. Oh, seven yeah.
1: games left. So. Uh,
0: yes. So no, no. I believe there are eight left, but there. Excuse me. What I was saying was seven games. They'd have to fall to get back to the fifth seed. So I think they're pretty slotted into that third or fourth seed. Which means you're going to end up playing either the Clippers,
1: not the Clippers. Right. I'm, the I'm,
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. The Lakers. There we go. The Mavericks or the Trailblazers. Give me your best matchup. Give me your worst matchup. Yeah, above.
1: well, the worst is, is uh, no shocker here, the L.A. Lakers. I know that they are in free-fall mode. They are definitely free-falling. They are, uh, well, before the game last night against the Denver Nuggets, they were 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. Um, but, you know, it... The, the Lakers are a team that could really roll into the playoffs at any given seed and if you have Anthony Davis and LeBron James, um, you know, I know you've said this before, Jared, but until somebody can prove that they can stop a healthy LeBron James from making the NBA Finals, I am not going to buy that matchup. So, I am going to say the LA Lakers, and, and you know what? Even without LeBron James, uh, we saw them on national TV. No, Le- beat LeBron the James is
0: gone. I-, I do believe the Nuggets can win that series. No, but... no, I-,
1: I think so too. I- excuse me. I don't, I don't mean to misspeak. I- I'm Saying even without LeBron James, last night we see how tough that the Lakers can be for a matchup. Even without LeBron James, they can be tough uh, to match up with the Nuggets. They they have bigs that can really get into Jokic. Granted, he scored thirty two points last night, but but I mean he is he is just unreal. But uh, I'm going to go with the Lakers as an obvious choice that nobody wants to see uh, in the first round. In terms of the best uh, first round matchup, I'm going to have to go with the uh, Dallas Mavericks. I like how uh, the Nuggets match up against them. I don't think that uh, the, the Dallas Mavericks have too much inexperience to really make a run into these playoffs. The Nuggets, hey, I mean, I know it was only a couple years ago and we're talking about the Nuggets' lack of experience, but the Nuggets have some experience Well, now. they went to the conference finals. I mean, they, they have some experience, they have, and you, they have the MVP of the league. I, I like the matchup between both those teams, even without Jamal Murray. Uh, but the, the Portland Trailblazers... Uh, they scare me a little bit. They have excellent perimeter players. They have, you know, uh, well, and then they have CJ McCollum and then they have Dame Lillard. Dame Lillard is obviously very scary <laughs> in yeah, the playoffs. He, he, he is a bad, bad man. The
0: Nuggets have seen that in the past the way he can take over a game and even a series. Uh, plus, you brought up something a moment ago. The play- Trailblazers, they've not really ever gone deep in the playoffs. But they're in the playoffs year after year after oh, they, year. They went to the uh,
1: conference finals two years ago. They beat the Nuggets out. There you go. Game That's seven. right. I
0: actually forgot about that. Um, so they, they've they certainly been around. There's a lot of guys there that uh, have that experience, have the ability to take over a game. I don't mean to sound cocky, but actually neither of those teams really scare me that much for the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets can definitely win a series against either of those teams i just don't love that matchup against lakers which by the way the lakers while they are sitting in the five seed right now they're only a game out of being in the seventh seed and for those not familiar with the way the 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 playoffs is breaking out this year the the nba is is bringing in a situation similar to what they did last year in the bubble in Basically a play in tournament. So it's seeds seven, eight, nine, and ten. We'll play in a little tournament. And next week we'll break that down a little bit more as we're coming up closer to that and exactly how that works. But being a seven seed does not guarantee you a spot in the playoffs this year. No. And 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 LeBron James thinks someone should be fired
1: for it. We'll, I, I we'll, actually, we'll get into that next week yeah, too. But.
0: Yeah, LeBron James should be fired for it. <laughs> uh, I actually Connor kind of would argue with you. I don't want to see the Lakers in that play in tournament. Because I don't see a way that the Lakers don't come out of that playing tournament, and now you just gave them two wins to get going, and now they got their momentum. That's rolling. That's a good
1: point. I mean, I mean the person, uh, the teams that don't go into that playing tournament are going to get a week off, and you know, I mean, you could you could debate forever on whether they uh, which the know. Nuggets
0: need it. The Nuggets absolutely they do. I mean, the Nuggets healthy. have
1: these injuries; they need to go. I um, hate that long off though.
2: It's it's just, I think it's too much time. It, it can be, but
1: so, I mean, I think we all agree: no Lakers in the first round. Please, please, basketball gods, grant the Nuggets. I know, uh, come somebody on. Different. There has um, been
0: enough. You know the the Trailblazers been on the Nuggets. The Trailblazers
1: right with Norman Powell, with CJ McCollum, with Dame Lillard. They got a lot of scoring power. They got a lot of experience. Um, they'd be a tough out. Uh, I'm not going to lie about it. I think as long as the Nuggets can get either Monte Morris or Will Barton back, hopefully both. Yeah, really they um, need both back. Then I think that that's going to still be no problem. They they do got our boy Carmelo Anthony. On the uh, on the Portland Trailblazers, who you know, just real quickly, uh, is uh, did just enter into the top ten NBA scoring career scoring of all time with twenty seven thousand points, three hundred and eighteen. So wow, yeah, yeah, congr- congrats yeah, to
0: Carmelo yeah, congrats, right? Mellow. I yeah. always love Melo. You know, um, it took me. It's taken me a long time to get over mellow uh i'm that guy that got dumped and like in like seventh or eighth grade and it You're was better like, x yeah it was like sophomore year of college before i finally like went back out into the world again um you know mellow just he kind of burned us here but man he had some great years that was so much fun those years with with alan iverson and kenyon martin and man they had a couple of runs they really did they had a window there where i, I, I hey, thought they he, were he compete. took
1: one of the worst Teams in the entire NBA and made them a playoff contender the first year
0: in his rookie season and he never looked back. I, I so. would I would argue that the Nuggets of today aren't where they are without Carmelo Anthony bringing them back into the limelight a little bit and I'm not saying that obviously they've drafted really well and that's what's allowed the Nuggets to be as oh, successful yes. as they are now but it's allowed guys you know like a Paul Millsap to want to come play in a place like this because he sees it's a team that hey, in the past, they've done this before. They've gone on runs. And so I, I, I say thank you to Carmel Anthony. Yeah, good for you. Good for you give getting a little into congrats. that moment. And, Top 10, that's big and deal. And again, so. good, good for Carmel Anthony getting back in the league. This is a guy that, that was out of the league and, and worked his ass off, got back in the league, and, and has has had an impact on playoff teams over the last couple of and years. So Even if you go back before, uh, you know, there's a
1: um, – Excellent article out there. I think it's The Athletic. Uh, definitely recommend uh, if you guys just search Carmelo Athletic, you know, it'll, it'll come up. But really dives into his past. He had a you know, a really uh, difficult upbringing, a lot of challenges. I mean, from dodging bullets in Baltimore as a kid to, you know, kind of taking care uh, of of certain people. And I mean, really, he had to go through a lot. He makes it to, you know, obviously goes to Syracuse, wins a national championship. I think everyone remembers the net cutting from Carmelo Anthony on Syracuse. Those, those cornrows, man. Yeah, That's all those I remember. Cornrows. So, oh, you know, yeah. congrats to Carmelo. He uh, had a heck of a career and... Uh, let's just hope he does not end the Nuggets season this
0: year. Yeah. That- <laughs> Why you got to leave us on a sour I know, note I there, Connor. Yeah, I think
1: I, it's, it's He's a role player at this point in his career. So we're not afraid of Carmelo, but we just wanted to say congrats to Melo. Wanted to point it out there. Definitely one of the Nuggets all-time greats. And maybe one of these upcoming shows, we'll have to go through each of our uh, all-time great Nuggets lists. So.
0: Yeah, that'll be a fun one to get to. And I think Carmelo Anthony will be pretty high up on that list. Uh, Good stuff today, guys. That's going to do it for us. Uh, Next week, as we get closer to the NHL and NBA playoffs, we are going to dive deeper into both of those topics, talk about the potential matchups, who we could see going against our local teams coming up here. So uh, thanks again for joining us. If you guys want to follow us on Twitter, follow us at Sports one Thanks for joining.